Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. Hey, it's Larry Sharp. So happy to be here on A Free Solution. Usually, I am host of the Sharpway Show, as you guys know. Almost every evening here, hanging out. You can check me out on the Sharpway, all all the interweb things. But today, I am with you. W-Y-S-L, Rochester, New York. W-A-C-K, Newark, New York. If you want to reach out, please... 585-346-3000. 585-346-3000. You know, I've been thinking about the things that are priorities in our state, in our glorious, or maybe used to be glorious, or maybe can be glorious, New York State. And what we're focusing on and how we're trying to fix things. And I feel... Very often, we're just trying to put on a new coat of paint on a really broken down house. That seems to be a good analogy. We're going to put another coat of paint on. Are we going to sand anything before we paint? No. Are we going to take off the rust before we paint? No. Are we going to fix the foundation before we paint? No. Are we even going to fix any of the drywall before we paint? No. Are we going to, in any way, take care of all the water damage before we paint? No. So we just paint. And for those of you who know how that works, when you don't do any prep work and you just paint over stuff, it usually looks pretty good. For about a day. You know. Doesn't look great. Looks better. About a day or two. Then. It all falls apart again. And you got to repaint again. And before you know it. You got ten coats of paint. And it's still not fixed. And it just looks good. For. About a day or two. So you just keep buying more paint. And you buy more paint. You buy more paint. And I feel like we just keep doing this again and again and again. And we never solve the actual problems. And I think there are many of them out there. Our schools are a problem, right? Crime is a problem. So we look at this and say, how can we fix things? Here is the way that our current governor fixes things. When she has a problem, she goes, there's a problem. All right. Here's what I'm going to do. Spend taxpayer money to give the people who are supposedly in charge of this problem jobs. I'm not joking. That's literally what they do. So now she's concerned about the disabled in New York State, which is a concern. Of course. Disabled Americans, disabled New Yorkers, 
should have the same chances and desires and opportunities that they can possibly get like anybody else can. Right? Makes sense. I get that. So we could, in theory, petition our reps, assembly, personnel, state senators, to help create a more fairer environment for people with disabilities to thrive in New York State. That seems to make sense to me. But you realize something. We don't have a functioning democracy in New York State. We don't have that. We have one-party rule to where the Assembly and the Senate don't actually pass any laws. They just say yes to massive budgets. That's all they do. And that's set up on purpose and reinforced and built by the Cuomo legacy, which Hochul embraces with both arms. She is all about the Cuomo legacy, except the grabbing butts part. That's the part she somehow distances herself from her, from that. I don't know how she does that, but she does. That she walks away from, the grabbing butt part. That she doesn't like. Everything else, she's got both hands wrapped around it. Okay. So now we create an office. Is it of, of the Office of Disability something or other? And so now what does she do? People who are disabled now have a hero. I'm doing air quotes. Someone who will now be an executive director of this office. They'll take millions of dollars to pay for her salary and a bunch of other people who will support her. And they're going to support disabled issues. Isn't that what your local elected person is supposed to do? Isn't that supposed to be their job? Aren't they supposed to sponsor bills and support bills that will support people in their community to include those who are disabled? Yeah, that's out the window. That doesn't work. We have to have a specific office in the executive branch to ensure that we can now, from the executive branch, create rules and regulations that if they aren't shot down by the assembly within, I think it's 90 days, or whatever is that time period, I think it's 90 days, they become law and no one is accountable. That's the New York way. So now the assembly people and the senators can go, well, we didn't pass the law, it's not our fault. It's done through the governor's office. And the governor goes, it's not my fault. It was the Office of Disability Management and and this person here. By the way, I appointed this person. And I appointed many people so I can reward my friends and cronies. And so they can now go out and tell disability community that I support them and they should vote for me in November. Don't get me wrong. This is an amazing political move. It's actually savvy. It doesn't solve anything. In fact, all it does is spend more money. But man, does it get her votes? Yeah. And the best part about her getting these votes, she has to spend no campaign funds. Win-win. She gets to spend taxpayer money to pander to a specific group that will now support her in November and she pays no money for it. I mean, that is impressive. In my view, unethical, ineffective, terrible, but brilliant. 
I'll give her that. You know, it's it's politics, I guess, right? That's what we thought to do. Meanwhile, in every city and certain areas outside the city, within New York State, crime is exploding. I think in New York City it was up 60% last month or something insane like that. Exploding. Everywhere. So what should we do? We should create an office of disability management or whatever is the name of the office. That'll solve it, I think. (laughs) That'll do. Well, okay. Larry, that's fine. You and your disability thing. Fine. But the reality of it is there's heavy crime in New York City and Eric Adams is a former cop so he's going to fix it. Well, his priority is Vegan Fridays in schools. I'm not joking. He likes to have vegan Fridays in schools. Now, am I against vegan Fridays in school? I'm not. I don't care. Whatever. I mean, so what? Have vegan Fridays. Is that my priority? No. Not at all. So let local school districts decide if they want to have vegan Fridays or fish Fridays or chicken Fridays or vegetarian fry. What What do I care? That's not a deal that a governor should care about. I would argue that a mayor of New York City of 8 million people, that should also not be his priority. Now I get it. He cares about health and that's a good thing. I'm not against that. I think it's amazing. He works out. He doesn't eat meat. All good. Good for him. Then use the bully pulpit Talk about it, get out there and do some press conferences and talk about health. I'm totally fine with that. You won the election. You're the mayor. Use that and talk to people about how you think they should eat. Don't have a problem with that. The issue I have is if he wants to say what we should do, all good. Freedom of speech, say what he wants to say. He's now implementing rules. That's a problem. He shouldn't be ordering us how to eat. He can tell us what he thinks. Happy with that. Because that solution is free. We don't have to pay for that. We choose. I like that solution. Yes, it's Larry Sharp on a free solution. 585-346-3000-WYSL. Back with your comments and your calls after the break. Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovation should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. 
Oh, indeed, it is Larry Sharp here on A Free Solution. Now, you might say, I like this show, Larry. Is it on more than just Tuesdays? It is every single day, weekday, Monday through Friday at noon. You can hang out with the cool Tim O'Connor, the cool, uh, this is great, also the cool Kevin Wilson, and sometimes even Craig Miles. Is that crazy? We get all the cool people. All you have to do is follow A Free Solution on YouTube or Facebook, and you got it. I want to let you know that today I'm on here, WYSL Rochester, New York, WACK Newark, New York. And of course, if you want to reach out and call, you can, 585-346-3000. In fact, I'm going to take a call right now. I'm going to talk to, believe it or not, the man, the myth, the legend, himself, former state Senate candidate, Thomas Queter. How are you, sir? Hi, Larry. How you doing? I'm not too bad. I am doing great. I'm very happy you called. I, you know, I, I saw what you were talking about, and, and I have some familiarity with the situation. A little bit. So you and, and a lot of other people, they know that I'm on the board of a nonprofit that serves those with disabilities locally in mm-hmm. central New York. And one of their directors, and this is in the initiative of every nonprofit that serves those with disabilities in New York, was to reinstate that office. Mm-hmm. I, I find that interesting. Um, Why? Because they think it'll help. <laughs> but you and I, you and I both know that the nonprofit community has done far more to support, directly support, the disabled in our state and states across the country than all the bureaucrats combined. Am I wrong? Yeah, I know that. You know that. But most people in the nonprofits, uh, some of them are waking up, but uh, they don't really recognize that. They, they fall prey to political messaging just like everybody else. Well, I think there's another piece here, though, and that is many of the nonprofits, not all of them, but many of them rely on government grants. Absolutely. So that's going to be my next point. Yes, so they have to support the government to get the government grants. Yeah, and the interesting part of that is they actually end up doing the government's work. Yes. To get those grants. This is the issue that bothers me, right? In general, you find people who want to support um, the disabled to usually lean left. That's not a 100% rule, obviously. But more of them right. lean left, right? So now what wants to so- happen is those people tend to also support unions, which is awesome. So good for you. But when the government gives a grant to a nonprofit, what they're actually doing is is getting government work Mm non-unionized. Am I wrong? You're not. And I can tell you that the the people who work at these nonprofits work extremely hard. Yes. They're all underpaid. Yep. They're all very passionate. They definitely care. They're, they're definitely more focused on helping the individual, which is very libertarian. Um, yep. But for some reason, much like most people, they seem to think that the top of the government is the answer, as opposed to just doing the work or yes. voluntary action. Um, well, the other issue is I feel bad because if you've been working in this field, for years, you obviously care, 
or you wouldn't be doing it, right? So you're spending a lot of time working in this field, trying to help people to the best of your ability. But as you said, not getting paid much, working your butt off. And now here comes government saying, hey, you want this cushy job? You're going to have it for years. You're going to get good pay overtime if you work late. Not a bad deal. And I don't blame the person for going, yeah, you know what? I did my time in the field. I want to go and have the cushy job. I'm not mad at them for it. I get it. I just worry how effective it is. And here, most important, now I've pulled that experience out of the field to now be corrupted by horrible government. That's my worry. Mm -hmm. No, and I I agree. Um, You know, you hit on something there. These people suffer, these people who do these jobs. It's social work. I don't care if it's a nonprofit that serves those with disabilities or if it's someone at the county building. It's still social work. There are some statistics on social workers that are very interesting. They have a much higher rate of of, uh, psychological problems from their job. Is that right? Uh, Higher rates of suicide. Oh. Uh, Yep, and that's because they deal with situations they're actually not allowed to solve. Um, yeah. One of my own social workers informed me that because the system she works for is beholden to Medicaid and Medicare, when she took her job, they actually signed a piece of paper that they won't be involved in crowdfunding. And this is a person who is consistently going out, meeting an individual with a disability, understanding their needs, going through the system, filing all the paperwork to request you know, coverage for those needs, and being denied. And then this person has to go back to this individual that they become friends with, that they know. They probably met their wife or husband or, or, or yep. parents or siblings, right? Um, this is a human being that they know and understand the need of, and they have to tell them, no, I can't help you. They right. can't say, no, I can't help you, but maybe you should crowdfund it. They can't, yes. they can't assist with crowdfunding. The, the, the problem is you're, you're exactly right. When you look at nonprofits that are not government funded, that are purely donor funded, when it's only that and nothing else, they will be as creative as possible to solve the problem, right? You require something, you need something new, you have to have a change in your in your regimen, your daily routine, something. And that's not okayed by Medicaid or a Medicare or Medicaid or whatever you're on or whatever government program you're, you're dealt with, dealing with, they can make a shift. They'll go out of their way. They'll make things happen. But once you add government, we feel like, to your point, oh, well, now it's better. Now it's official. No, now it's more rigid. And now you fall into a box and you can't get the individual help. The thing I bring up all the time, when someone's in trouble, Whatever trouble that is, mental trouble, physical trouble, financial trouble, emotional trouble, whatever's the trouble you're in, and we all get in trouble, the first thing you need is not a program. The first thing is somebody who cares. Then they can find you the thing you need, and that's what we're missing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm in an interesting situation. I, I live in a rural town, as you know. In central mm-hmm. New York, there's not a lot of big cities around. I'm about an hour away from a good hospital uh, mm-hmm. in any direction. And I rely on my community. Sure. And I, I 
I tend to have a better life than a lot of people who don't have that option. Yes. And uh, for those listening who who don't know, for those listening who don't know, I I have a disability. I was born with osteogenesis imperfecta. I had well over a thousand fractures by the time I was 16. Um, I did have to find a way around the federal government to get the treatment that uh, reduced my fracture rate down to less than one a year. And, you know, it's never been a government program that really gave me the most help. In fact, the last time I needed a wheelchair, it was Libertarian that gave me that. And then uh, just recently, they gave me a second one and a van. Think about that. These are all things the government wouldn't even try to do. So you're saying that the government wouldn't give you a van, so you went out to your community and your community crowdsourced you and got you a van so you can get around and do what you want to do. In 23 hours, Larry, in 23 hours. Wow. Wow. You, you have just given me an example of what I say all the time. Just because I don't want government to do it doesn't mean I don't want it to be done. Of course people need help. People fall down. They make mistakes. They get in trouble. They, they're unlucky. Whatever. Bad things happen to all of us, and we have to somehow get around those challenges, and we will need help. My whole piece is community will always help better than government. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and that, that's proven time and time again. Look at every crowdfund platform out there. Uh, you will yes. find people with disabilities need getting what they need and getting it faster. Uh, yep. When you find one that fails, it's largely because it wasn't marketed properly. Uh, as disabilities advocates, that's one of the things I do is I help people crowdfund their needs or give them the instructions they need to do so. But while we're talking about nonprofits, I'd like to give a shout-out to the New York Volunteer Network. This is a new nonprofit out of Hamburg, New York, and it does like not it. seek government grants. It seeks to be fully privately funded to take on individual needs. One at a so time. give me the website for that. I will have that when we get back, Larry. Awesome. Thanks for the call, Toms. I appreciate it. Uh, guys, as you know, I talk always about community. It's what matters. It doesn't cost you taxpayer dollars, so you give what you can give. That may be dollars, that may be time, but you're giving it. You're not being forced, and that's what actually matters. Larry Sharp, Owner Free Solution, 585-346-3000. Back after the break. store is now open and your car's crying for an official voice of liberty bumper sticker there's a great selection to help you show your love of god liberty and the constitution here are just a few available right now shut up fauci kathy hokum no more masking open the freaking schools scam alert january 6th no vax mandates god please help us close the mexican border save america stop voting for democrats support the second amendment and your mask doesn't protect squat but there's more these are standard weather resistant bumper stickers guaranteed 
guaranteed to get you horn honks and thumbs up in traffic. Choose from other locally made WISL Voice of Liberty merch too, like tees, hoodies, drinkware, and more. Perfect gifts for any Liberty lover you know. Be sure to check out the exclusive WISL Mount Worst Morris shirts, hoodies, and coffee mugs depicting our four worst presidents. Guess who's front and center? Be free. Make a statement. Shop the WISL store at WISL1040.com. A free solution. Yes, it is Larry Sharp back here on A Free Solution. WYSL, Rochester, New York. WACK, Newark, New York. And of course, you can always reach out to me. 585-346-3000. So, before the break, I was talking to the one, the only, Thomas Queter, running for Senate in, or former, I don't know if he still is, definitely was a former state Senate candidate in New York State. Um, are you still on the line, Toms? I am still on the line with you. Awesome. So tell me the website of that uh, nonprofit you were talking about. So the new nonprofit that's starting up is nyvolunteers.org. So the website is there's three general funds on the website. But when we take on an individual case, we tend to put that on Facebook. And it's, it's the same nyvolunteers after facebook.com slash nyvolunteers. And there's an interesting here thing here, Larry. Um, we're talking about proving the case that, that that crowdfunding works better. And I gave myself as an example. If mm-hmm. you go to their Facebook page, we, we're actually crowdfunding for a disabled veteran right now. Um, you're probably aware of the fact that particularly in the 80s and 70s, and it still happens today, um, getting a certain injury while you're enlisted, uh, you may be sat home without the proper paperwork to get support for that disability. It happened. Yep, very true. This gentleman was actually injured in boot camp. He injured both of his knees. Um, wow. And this, yes. And he, he never actually got to serve out of boot camp. He was discharged from there over the injury. But he doesn't really have coverage for that specific injury. He can go to the VA. Oh. But he doesn't have anything for that specific injury. Now, here's the thing. Um, in 1985, I think it was, he became the youngest recipient of a knee transplant, uh, uh, artificial knee, um, not a transplant, a knee replacement. Since then, he's had eight. This, this last one happened uh, through this pandemic over the last summer, and, and he got wow. sepsis. And he got sepsis in that knee and lost his way. Wow. Um, his name is Russell Jordan. Russell Jordan is a good guy. He's community-oriented. He dresses up like Santa Claus and, and hands things out to underprivileged children in the community. This is a That's guy great. that deserves help. And he happened to be in the middle of a home remodel, doing it himself, bit by bit, and working his way up when this all happened. Um, wow. So think about this. He, he's lost his leg. And lumber, the price has skyrocketed. Yep. The interesting thing here is that uh, he did have a lot of the things purchased, just not the lumber for the flooring and some other things. Uh, okay. You're so, probably so aware I, of Jimmy Dayton. So hold on. Let me. I, I got to rush you through this, Tom. I apologize. I got to rush you through this. Tell me the end of this story. He cannot get around his own home. The floors are soft. Mm-hmm. The remodel didn't actually get complete. And we have a contractor who is a libertarian and grew up an estimate. We're trying to raise $25,000 to make it so that he can get around his own home. 
You know, he's aging. He's going to end up in a wheelchair. Soft floors with a heavy wheelchair is not good. Um, his, his own son so, went through the floors. So hold way. on. So what we have to do then, if we care about this and we want to, and we want to help out, we have to go to give me the website again. Uh, that is nyvolunteers.org. You can donate to the general fund there, or you can go to the Facebook, which is just facebook.com slash nyvolunteers. And there we you go. Can make a donation. Um, I love it. I, I appreciate what you're trying to achieve, Thomas, tremendously. Yep. Now, I just want to put a little number on this for everybody. My van was crowdfunded in 23 hours with an average donation just under $25. Um, there we go. Twice that would meet Russell's need. And that could take two days if everybody just went in and chipped in $25. I appreciate what you're trying to achieve. This is what community is all about, my friend. Thank you so much for your call. You have a good one, Larry. Thanks again. All righty. Have a good one. So this is what I'm talking about. Community, right? I'm not against any executive saying what they feel. No problem at all. You think we should have vegan Fridays or you think we should support the disabled in a certain way? No problem. You have a First Amendment right. You won the election. Use the bully pulpit. Use the popularity you've earned through the election to talk about what you think is important. No worries. My problem is once we start enforcing, creating laws and rules, and before you know it, we forget the humanity of it. One of the reasons why I'm sure many of you liked what Tom was saying is he was talking about a real story about real people. He wasn't just having numbers and budgets and new job creation. He was saying, I dealt with this and here's another person who's dealing with this. That's important. I want to make a shift though, a little bit of a shift. And the shift I want to bring up is the prior that most people across New York are concerned about. It's crime. It's a big priority. Quality of life. Part of that is crime specifically in cities, but even outside, it's an increase, but huge within cities. And what so many people are saying, this is all about bail reform. That's the issue. It's all about bail reform. That's the issue. That's not true. Is it about bail reform? Yes. Is it all about bail reform? No, that is not the be all end all. Just isn't. And sadly, we have too many people who think that's the issue. So they either want to destroy it or won't touch it. And both of those are wrong. Democrats are like, bail reform? Done and done. Let's walk away from that. It's perfect. Just the way it is. And Republicans are like, get rid of it all. Lock them all up. Both are wrong. The reality of it is, I'm going to say something which I don't say that often. I was wrong. Why was I wrong? I didn't like the bail reform bill when it came out. I discussed that it had some issues. I did. I was very open about that. But I actually believed, and this is why I was wrong, that judges would begin to make decisions and that the bill would be fixed by the judges creating decisions, a couple of lawsuits here or there, that would then shift it that way. That is not the best way to fix a law at all. But I still thought that's what would happen. I was wrong. 
COVID hit, judges, I guess, went nuts, ignored all the good parts of the bill, and the bad parts, they just said, well, we'll ignore those too. We'll just let everything collapse. And everything did. Here is the key aspect of bail reform. This goes back to the first piece for this conversation today. What are we actually trying to achieve? If you care about the actual problems, crime and fairness, which I care about, those two, look at the, most of the people, and I mean vast majority, like 99% of the people who have left bail or not had bail and then committed a crime. Almost all of them had a rap sheet. Like 99 out of 100 had a rap sheet, meaning they had been arrested or convicted or something in the past. The vast majority. What did I always say when it came to bail reform? It should be focused on first-time offenders. That's the focus. Well, Lara, we want to give judges, you know, more leeway. And this bill doesn't give them enough. Okay, I'm open to talk to about that, except for first-time offenders. First-time offenders. This is where we have to be lenient. Why? Because a first-time offender, this is when a person has a chance to actually change their life. And if you know somebody, and I know many, if you know someone who getting arrested was their low point, it's when they realized I got to change my life. That's what made them go, I got to change my life. When they got arrested, to give that person a chance and not having to spend six months in jail, lose their job, lose their relationships, ensuring that they never turn their life around. Instead, we let them go home and have a chance at repairing their life. Now, you're telling me that a second or third or fourth offender can't have that turnaround. They can. Absolutely possible. And that's when you allow the judge to have that leeway. Because maybe, but to be forward with you, and we all know this, the date is in. If you're getting arrested a second or third time, you're probably getting arrested a fourth or fifth time. That's how it works. I don't mean to be mean on this or cruel. I'm talking about reality. We've got to create rules and laws and regulations you know, that usually work, a better environment. This should be focused on the first-time offender. The first-time offender is the best chance where you've been wrong person, wrong place, wrong time, unlucky. Why should you be punished because you're poor and you can't afford bail when it's the first time offended? That's the critical piece. If we focus bail reform on first-time offenders, that solves a lot of our issues and is still fair to the poor and still keeps people safer than without it. We can find both. There is an answer. And it's free. A free solution. Larry Sharp here. W-Y-S-L. W-A-C-K. Back after the break.
Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website there hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. Yes, Larry Sharp back on a free solution. Happy to have you here. WYSL, Rochester, New York. WACK, Newark, New York. If you want to see what I'm doing, you can just Google Larry Sharp. You can just Google the Sharp way. I'm everywhere. I'm just super good looking is why. I'm kidding. I'm happy that you guys are giving me a chunk of your afternoon. Before the break, I was talking heavily about bail reform and how it is only a part of our crime problem. Our biggest issue for crime is not bail reform. That's a part of it. The biggest issue is the black market. Black market is always when crime improves, improves, increases, and improves, actually, both, becomes organized. So there's both, but it gets worse and we get more of it. And for those of you who are worried about the police being shot, which I am too, if you look at history, when we had the most police deaths in the country during prohibition, we had the biggest, deepest black market. So why is there a black market? Because New York State is not opening up and working. Get New York State working. Get people out, get people back in school, get people out doing things. When you have a bunch of young men sitting around with no purpose, nothing to do, it is literally a the perfect recruiting ground for gangs. You've set them up. The gang leaders are like, thanks. I love it. I'll take all these guys. And that's why you have people being shot to death and not to death, wounded in broad daylight. It's all gang warfare. That's what it is. Now all that 11 month old baby was shot. Yes, in a gangland shootout. And the black market, you will end a massive amount of crime and bail reform, both. But the biggest chunk is not this bail reform. The biggest chunk is the black market. And you do want to be fair with bail reform. The concept of bail reform is awesome. The implementation, not so awesome. So let's not throw out bail reform. Let's fix it. That's the issue. Let's fix it. Um, Shell says, Maximus says, bail reform was supposed to be for low-level, nonviolent crimes. It was such a bait and switch. Well, yes and no. And by the way, I am going through my chat. You guys are great in my chat. I appreciate it. 
Yes, it was. And there was a part of it that did cover that. There was other parts that didn't. So yeah, it's a it's a valid criticism. I agree. Uh, Kirsten says, Larry, where would you draw a hard line for the longest allowed pre-trial detention, pre-trial detention, even for previous offenders now accused of serious violence? Like a year, four years, 10 years? Well, there's a problem with this, Kirsten. Is in many cases, if you need a lot of information or if you need a lot of evidence, very often, and very often, often enough, you will find people who will waive their right for a speedy trial because they want more time to put their case together. So I think you do want to have shorter pre-trial detention. However, if people are waiving their right, that's different. Now, here's the problem. If you're wealthy and you're waiving your right, you get out and you get to spend more time, you know, out with your family and friends, not in jail, waiting for your trial. If you're poor, you got to spend that time in jail. So it's a problem. But we're supposed to have a right to a speedy trial. That's in our constitution. That's what matters. Violence or not, we're supposed to be able to do it. I can't imagine ever being detained more than a year. In our rules, if you're detained for more than a year and a day or in prison more than a year and a day, that's a felony, isn't it? Doesn't that match a felony? Well, you're not even convicted yet. How can you be in jail for the equivalent of a felony when you're not convicted? So my view would be a year, understanding the caveat that often people who have difficult cases will waive their right anyway. I I hope that was clear at least. And again, it hurts the poor as it seems to always hurt the poor. Yes. So, all right, let me grab a couple more of these if I could. I do appreciate uh, you guys going back and forth. I do. Let me see here. Tim says, local judges, I mean, and they have no ability to hold anyone for a real life. Oh, that was for someone else? I apologize that. Tim says, judges do not have any say under bail reform. That's not true, Tim. They do. If you look at the actual law, the way they wrote it, there is there is some. It's just not done well. The idea of no, no say is not true. That is a talking point that Republicans have made to make it seem like this is a horrible bill. It isn't horrible. It's just not good. We have to change it and adjust it. My worry is if we just repeal it, we'll never get another bill. This is why I want to fix it and not repeal it. Because what people don't realize is without bail reform, there are literally people in our current system, because we have not fixed our system, that are going to jail for over a year, to Kirsten's point, for minor crimes. They're just poor and they can't afford bail. And we're not doing what we should be doing, which is just put an ankle bracelet on them, right? Again, particularly if you're a first-time offender. Those who've been who've been you know, arrested three, four, five, six times, odds are they're going right back to the game when they get out. But a first-time offender has a shot at saying, you know what? I'm out. I'm done. I'm not doing this. 
and I want to give people second chances. It matters. It makes us a better people. It makes our environment a better environment. It makes us better humans. I really want us to do that. So I hope that makes sense. It just has really been set up poorly. That's my biggest issue. So yes. Joe says, if bail is for making sure someone shows up to trial, just ankle bracelet and release. Yes, in theory, that's true. However, it isn't only for someone to show up for trial. It's also for the safety of the community. And literally, there was a shootout last month. And one of the guys shooting up a place in upstate New York was wearing an ankle bracelet. Literally. So... And that guy, he was not a first offender. My point exactly. That guy had been arrested many times. So you've been arrested many times. I'm not as open to it. And I know that may not sound libertarian or that may not sound fair. I know maybe it doesn't. I'm just being forward. The guy literally had an ankle bracelet and was in a shootout with the ankle bracelet on. So I think we have to be realistic here. And most people who are afraid of bail reform are open to the idea of supporting first-time offenders. I am too. I think it's a fair compromise, a real compromise, and doesn't force us to repeal the bail and have no bail reform. That's my worry. Hope that makes sense, guys. And again, that's a solution. That's fair. That compromises supports the poor and also supports the community and it's free thank you so much for giving me a check of your afternoon i will see you all next week